0: You are entering The Theater of the Mind, an arcane radio theater works podcast series featuring dramatizations of strange and fantastical tales. (laughs) Series one The Mysterious Card. Adapted by Jeff G. Rack and Charlie Mount, from a story by Cleveland Moffat. Presented in six parts. Episode 2.
1: There is a scientific phenomenon known as synesthesia, a perceptual anomaly that permits certain people to see colors or or auras about others, particularly colors signifying different past, present, or future imprints. I am such a person. As I sat in Richard Burwell's sitting room, listening to this fantastic story, I became aware of his aura. A shadowy slate gray, which I only ever saw in my most terminal patients. Burwell continued his story.
2: After the events in Paris and London, and after failing in all efforts at reconciliation with my wife, I booked Upper Birth Passage on an ocean liner back to New York having suffered in scarcely a fortnight more than in all my previous life. Another drink, doctor? What, yes, please. During the voyage, I scarcely left my cabin, but lay there
1: prostrated with agony. But this is terrible. Was there no one you could turn to, no friend who could help? There was one, Jack Eveleth,
2: who I knew from childhood, my partner, the sharer of my success, bravest and most loyal fellow in the world. In my black despondency, the one thing that sustained me was the thought of meeting Jack. Well, even in the face of the most damning circumstances, I felt sure his rugged common sense would conceive of some way of escape from this hideous nightmare. I cabled him to meet me at the Chelsea Pier. Hardly had the gangplank been lowered before I rushed on shore and grasped his hand. Jack, I can't tell you how glad I am to see you. And you, my friend. Your telegram sounded urgent. I'm in dreadful trouble. You're the only person in the world who can help me. Of course. Let's go back to the office.
0: Everyone will be on the floor this time of day, so we'll be alone.
1: They quickly departed for the factory on 23rd Street, where, ensconced in his office with the machines of his life's industry thundering below, Burwell told Evelith his story. Dear God, Richard. It does not seem possible that so many terrible
0: things have happened to you and in such a short time. I promise that I will stand by you
2: and that we will get to the bottom of this. Oh, thank you, Jack. I knew I could count on you. It feels good to be back home on familiar footing. I can feel my blood pumping again. What we need is a plan of action. What do you propose we do? We cannot
0: fight this thing in the dark. That that's sound. We must know what is on that card. You may not have taken French in school, but I did. Let me see it. Oh here, take the damn thing. You say you've looked at this card
2: carefully? Of course, why? And you saw nothing on it? What do you see on the card? Something horrible? Richard. My god, not you two. You promised to help. I know. For god's sakes, man, we've known each other all our lives. We have.
0: I've never had a better friend. I would have trusted you with my life. Would have.
2: Whatever you see or think you see on that card, you know me. Richard, you have brought me the worst news one man could bring another. Listen to me carefully, Jack. Everyone who has seen that card has turned against me. I cannot believe that you will too. You must know whatever you are seeing is a lie. Richard, I can't see any other way out of it.
0: We have been true to each other all of our lives. We have worked and built this company together, and I looked forward to never separating from you. I would rather fail and die than see this happen. But we have got to separate, old friend. We have got to separate.
2: The card, you must tell me what it means. No,
0: I can't do it. There are some things a man cannot do. Surely there is nothing on there that would destroy a... Richard, I tell you, if my only child had been carried in here dead, it would not have caused me more sorrow than what is on that cursed card.
1: Nothing that Burwell could do or say availed against his friend's decision. There was nothing for it but that Eveleth should buy his partner's share of the business. He was more than fair in the financial proposition, and the two separated. With his friend's desertion, it seemed that the world was leagued against poor Richard Burwell. He purchased a townhouse and barricaded himself away from the world, communicating only with lawyers who helped him distribute his wealth to the needy and indigent becoming a sort of hermit philanthropist. He knew now that he dare not show the card ever again to another living soul. At one point, he determined to burn it and be done with it, as Detective Desjardins had suggested. But somehow he could not. Eventually, he locked the wretched thing away in a safe.
2: And there, behind that painting, is the safe. I locked the card in there 11 years ago, and I have not opened it since. Extraordinary
1: tale. It's no wonder that you suffer from a nervous condition. But haven't I suffered enough? Why must I contend now with these strange visions? Is that why you called me here, to ask me that?
2: I called you here because when you read my palm, you, more than anyone else, saw beyond the man I appear to be.
1: Mr. Burwell, your kind deeds to the poor are a matter of record. They are not mere appearances. My philanthropy is not the whole story of my life.
2: Years ago, a child was born to my wife and me, a tender, helpless little boy that we love with all our hearts. One night, we found him strangled in his cradle, but we were never able to find out who did it. How horrible. And a few years later, when my business partner, Jack, and I were on the eve of fortune, our safe was robbed, not broken into but opened with a combination that only myself and my partner knew. It it almost ruined us. There have been other things, many things. I have come to the conclusion there is a dark mystery to my life, of which I am unaware. And it all has something to do with that mysterious card. And And you feel that I can help? There
1: is a task I would ask of you. Name it. It involves the woman. The woman in Paris, you mean? The one who gave you the card? Yes. You've seen her? Yes, less than a week
2: ago. I was crossing 23rd on my way to my French teacher, and I saw a carriage rolling up Broadway. I got the woman in the carriage. It's her, I'd swear it. Cabby! Cabby! Where to, sir? For that carriage, the one with the gold trim. Follow it. Yes, sir. followed her to a brick red house on Norfolk Street. All three times I tried to see her, I always received the same reply, that she was much too engaged to see anyone. But every day I watched the house and only once did I see anyone else approach the residence. A tall man in cream-colored tweed and wearing horned rimmed spectacles. He walked up to the door, but before he could knock, he spied me standing on the corner. Some instinct made me turn away, and I walked into an empty park. But then I realized this was an opportunity. I should speak to this man. And did you? Well, I never got the chance. In the park, I was plagued by another intense vision. I, I don't recall much, just flashes of violence. Violence caused by you or another? Oh, not me. Something else, something sinister. Could you see where you were by any chance? Well, been all along the river lately. I, I, I believe it was Water Street.
1: Are you sure? There was another murder there just last night. Do you think you're having visions of the killer? Well, if I could only remember them more clearly, I, I guess I blacked out. I had lost two hours. Two hours? And these visions, they were in color, like the others? Yes. And no further sign of
2: the tall man? None. The next day, I returned to her house and was told she was ill. On the following day, the servant said she was much worse. I called one last time, yesterday. Again, sir. Please, I must speak As to you. I her. told you, sir, she is quite ill and cannot see anyone. You don't understand! If you would I, just step aside, sir, and allow Dr. Kleinschmidt to enter. You're a doctor, sir. Yeah, yeah. May I help you? Uh, my name is Richard Burwell, sir, and Richard I... Burwell? The philanthropist? Uh, yes, sir.
1: Well, well, I must thank you, Mr. Burwell, for donating to the new bacteriology laboratory at Bellevue Hospital. Uh, it was my pleasure, doctor. Wunderbar facility. How may I help you? Uh, well, the, the
2: woman inside, doctor, your patient. Uh, I desperately need to see her. Ah, I wish I could help you,
1: Mr. Burwell. You're a good man. The New York medical profession is in your debt, but I cannot allow it. She's quite ill, you see. I cannot allow you to enter... Unless... Oh, yes? Well, I've been looking for a doctor with a more, shall we say, occult knowledge than I possess. What ails the woman, I suspect, is beyond science, you see. As a benefactor to the medical community, I wondered if perhaps you knew of such a man.
2: I know the very man. I'll have him here tomorrow.
1: I see. And that's why you've sent for me. You are a physician, and you have an adept's insight into the psychic sciences. And you wish me to go to this woman's house? And help me gain entrance, yes. Dr. Lansing, will you help me, please? I will, on one condition. Name it. You say you haven't shown that card to anyone in 11 years. That's correct. And you say the card is locked away in your safe there in the wall behind me. It is. I studied languages at university. Latin, French. In fact, I speak French quite well, you know. Do you? Fluently. You're suggesting that... I very much wish to see the card. Do you trust me to read it? I trust you, Doctor, but I... You're afraid of what my reaction might be.
2: Everyone who has looked upon that card
1: has instantly regarded me with repulsion and deserted me. I will promise you one thing. What is that? If when I look at the card I am similarly disposed, no matter how shocked or repelled, I will tell you what I see upon it. I have your word. You have my word. I've heard promises before. If, as you say, I have a special insight into your soul, I think you must trust that this time things will be different.
2: Very well. Then I will open the safe and we shall see. Long last. Dear God, we shall see. Here it is, Doctor, sealed in this
1: envelope. Remember. You have my word. All right, well, damn the torpedoes, eh? Here we go.
2: Well, I I can see confusion on your face, but you've not run from the room screaming. And you haven't called for the police to have me arrested and thrown in a pit. What is it then? What does it say, doctor? What do you see?
1: Nothing. What? There is nothing whatsoever on this card. It is completely blank.
0: Next, on The Mysterious Card.
1: And there, in the center, beneath the silk canopy of a four poster bed, lay the woman herself, the woman at the center of the mystery.
0: You have been listening to The Theater of the Mind, Series 1 The Mysterious Card. Adapted by Jeff G. Rack and Charlie Mount. From a story by Cleveland Moffat. Presented in six parts. Directed by Jeff G. Rack. Technical director Charlie Mount. Music composed and performed by Jay Wolfell. Presenting our voice talent players for episode two Charlie Mount as Dr. Edward Lansing. Richard Large as Richard Burwell. Dustin Hess as Dr. Kleinschmidt, Jeff Rack as Jack Eveleth, David Stafford as the butler, Eric Keitel as the cabbie, and I'm your host, Jeff Rack. This has been an Arcane TheatreWorks production. If you've enjoyed this program and would like us to do more, please go to our Patreon page to become a patron and valued member of Arcane Works. Your proceeds will allow us to pay our talented actors, artists, and technicians so that we can continue to bring you high-quality programming like the show you've just enjoyed. You can also go to our site, arcanetheaterworks.com, and sign up to be informed of our upcoming live and virtual shows and events. A special thanks to Alan Zorthian and the Zorthian Ranch.